I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETFs for the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of Focus Wealth Management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focus Wealth, and Michael Psante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Larry, how are you? How's everybody? Good Good Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Flew in my household, so it was complex. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) Pretty good. (laughs) Couple thicknesses, nothing too severe. Okay. First question. Yesterday, all the major indexes sank 1.5%, resulting in a 500-point loss on the Dow Jones Industrials. Over the weekend, protests broke out all over China in response to the government's zero-COVID policy. Why are China's problems sending U.S. stocks lower? Yeah. So, you know, uh, look, these lockdown policies have been extremely strict in China. Um, You know, the people have had enough of it. I'm shocked at the magnitude of of these protests. I mean, these are these are vast uh, people filled protests. Um, You know, I I think that the government came out last night and uh, they're starting to ease up. Uh, they're talking about shots for seniors now. They're talking about easing up on some restrictions. Huge ramifications, right, to the supply chain lines here globally. And so, you know, we've talked about this numerous times over the past, you know, two years now about the supply chain issues uh, and the inflationary issues, and really how one they're almost one and the same. They are one and the same. Uh, and and what are the future ramifications for that? Um, interestingly enough, as of you know, the Tuesday morning. Uh, some of the more speculative uh, Chinese stocks uh, have all had 5% updates, including the Hong Kong index. Don't forget markets are future price forecasters and markets are interpreting that the government will ease up uh, on these restrictions and certainly probably going up on, on the vaccine, you know, for older people uh, to maybe release some of these uh, very tight restrictions. So uh, what do I think? I think that she is firmly in charge uh, in China. I don't think this is Tiananmen. Um, you know, I, I do think that when you look at Chinese business uh, and, and, you know, the capitalists that have been really left uh, to their own devices and have kind of a hands-off uh, approach to the party, uh, I would think they're going to come out with some new policies and certainly ease up on these restrictions uh, because it hasn't worked uh, that well. They need help with their vaccines. Uh, their vaccine is extremely inefficient, hasn't worked. Um, you know, it would be great to have global cooperativeness uh, on issues like this, uh, even more so uh, in China, but that will never happen. Um, but I think that uh, the people are speaking and that uh, they're going to have to really ease off of these restrictions, which should help supply chains. Interestingly enough, you look at our 10-year treasury and how that's trading with all this, you would expect if people really did expect China to erupt in a civil, you know, huge unrest and civil war type of thing, you know, our 10-year treasury uh, would certainly go down and yield up in price as a safe haven. Uh, and we have not seen that. So, you know, I think the markets are, are sorting this out. And uh, I think that China will have some policies that, you know, won't be as tight as, as they've had, because I don't think he's willing to give up his leadership uh, certainly uh, over the lockdown matters. 
Yeah, the inflation dynamic of it is huge. I mean, you can't have the world's low cost provider of goods continuously shut down over and over again throughout the course of a three year period and expect that, you know, cost pressures are really going to abate. The, the one good thing that's associated with this is the shipping prices have completely erased the COVID jump now. They're all well, the look way at oil. Oil's at a one year low as well. Yeah, exactly. Oil is actually down. Well, not today, but yesterday at one point, oil was down on a year over year basis. But you can't lock people up for three years and tell them that they can't leave their houses and expect that there not be any social unrest. And in, in addition to that, there's a lot of S&P 500 companies that generate pretty substantial revenues and earnings from China, like Nike and Apple in particular. So I mean, these shutdowns have big ramifications on U.S. companies that do business in China, and Apple gets a lot of their products produced in China. So there is a extremely high reliance on China's economy and on the U.S. economy for China for things to go smoothly here. So Interesting, though, how at these times of global conflict, right, where you have you know, what's going on in the Ukraine going on. And when you have the Iranians, when you have China, uh, all of these problems converge at once. Um, maybe it's good that there are these inward problems uh, in China, in Iran, uh, obviously in North Korea, uh, short term, because maybe long term, uh, we'll be able to work out, you know, some sort of Peace uh, in the Ukraine that really has been the overhang of the market, and I think that that uh, that's that might be an interesting down the road outcome of this. That it will force people's hands on those issues uh, because they'll be tied up at home. So, even Taiwan, in addition to that too, because there's a lot of speculations and rumors about that. It, I think it could possibly be less likely that they make a move, or, or any the discussions will sort of abate about China going into Taiwan when they have to focus inward and look at what's happening with the unrest within their country. Well, they just conscript all the protesters and send them to Taiwan. Okay, the second question comes from Bob from Connecticut. He asks, what is going to happen if the Fed has, what is going to happen if the Fed has enough cash in hand to fund the total losses it will incur for all the asset liquidation it is committed to. Okay, so this is a really important dynamic as it pertains to Fed policy and quantitative tightening. So one thing that happened in the middle and throughout the course of this year when the Fed really announced quantitative tightening was that it started at a much slower pace than was originally anticipated. And that was because of a dynamic where the Federal Reserve has to let bonds mature on its balance sheet in order for them to run off. So a couple things to remember and consider here. One, all of the assets on the Fed balance sheet, on an annual basis, all the interest that accrues throughout the course of time is literally just sent back to the Treasury. So it's almost like a symbiotic transfer and exchange of one government entity back to the other. The second is if you really think about where interest rates were when the Fed was pursuing quantitative easing and buying bonds in the open market, interest rates were substantially lower than where they are at current levels. So the Fed's balance sheet as it pertains to their treasury holdings are showing massive losses. Now, this is a dynamic where if you look back, I actually said in the 
late last year, beginning of this year, that the Fed probably wouldn't have to raise rates as fast as they have, because I thought that they could use their balance sheet and accelerate quantitative tightening to really withdraw liquidity from the economy. They can't. If the Federal Reserve sells a bond at a loss, it counts against the budget deficit. So if the Fed accelerated quantitative tightening, Powell would literally have to go in front of Congress and testify as to why the budget deficit looks so bad. So with the Fed just letting bonds mature off of its balance sheet, it's not selling them at a loss. So realistically, the problem that comes into hand on the back end of this is that as as these bonds mature at the Fed, it's not like our government debt is being reduced. The Treasury is actually rolling this debt and issuing new bonds. So one of these unspoken mandates for the Fed is to finance the Treasury, right? So you have to find buyers of Treasury bonds out there. So that's why the Fed is continuously interest, raising interest rates, because the government has to finance itself. When the, when the Fed's doing quantitative easing and buying bonds, the Fed is collectively financing the government in some way, shape, or form, because there's a natural buyer of treasuries. With the Fed doing quantitative tightening, they're not buying. They're letting the balance sheet completely run off. They're not incurring losses by selling. But what has to happen is, on the back end of this, somebody, whether it be a foreign government, a pension fund, a bank, individuals... They have to step up and buy the treasuries for the government to finance itself. So the the Fed has to kind of like land this plane to make inflation go down, but simultaneously make sure that there's a natural buyer of treasuries out there. So there's enough money for the Fed and the Treasury to realistically do this. And by the way, the U.S. government obviously has a printing press so it can finance itself in different ways. But um, it is a really tricky relationship. And this is why the Fed has to use interest rate hikes and they can't use the balance sheet because Powell doesn't want to go in front of Congress and testify as to why the budget deficit is blowing out because of him selling bonds. So it's a really interesting relationship. And that's why the the Fed has hiked rates so precipitously this year. One, to get the natural buyer of treasuries out there. And two, realistically, so that um, obviously inflation can go down because they can't use the balance sheet as an additional lever. Yeah. Um, Anything to say, Phil? No, I think that, you know, if you look at at these dynamics, right, that are in play right now, uh, they're very voluminous and there's a lot of input that goes into, you know, this tightening cycle. So, you know, if you really look at how not just the I mean, look, the bond markets have been battered on the year down like 15 percent. But, you know, that that shows you the tide change that we've talked about all year. And when you start to massively intake this liquidity, uh, these dynamics come into play, which is why you've had the volatility as judged by the move index, the volatility for bonds, you know, spike this year because of, of all these trading dynamics. And, uh, you know, it's going to take time um, to do this. But, you know, not only look what the markets have faced this year and look how well they're holding up. Right. So even if bonds have gotten a, a tough time, right, gotten killed, equities, tough time. But look at everything that's going on from, you know, the the massive inflation coming back into the system, the war in the Ukraine, you know, where oil and crude went, earnings softening up in the wake of all this and the Fed tightening. uh, I think that we're in an okay spot considering everything that's going on. So we'll see if this runs into year end. You know, I think we're going to have a strong month. Yeah, there are so many dynamics to take into consideration with all this. I mean, one thing that I even didn't say is that 
I, I don't think interest rates can stay up here for that long because we've said this in our yeah, permit. And they pull back. I mean, look, 10-year hit 4.5% twice. And, you know, uh, yesterday at one point it was back down to 3.66 and it's pulled up a little bit since then. Yeah, at, at these levels. Yeah, the government rates is, are almost down 100 basis points off their high now. Yeah, the government at these levels is using almost a third of tax receipts to finance <laughs> the interest on the debt. So this is... Uh, and the curve keeps inverting. Yeah, the curve is too inverted right now. So where it comes into play is future spending if the government has issues financing itself and there's not really enough cash on hand for that. <laughs> so that's where it's tricky is the growth of the debt at these levels of interest rates. Uh, government spending is going to have to come down in the future. Yeah. Okay, guys, thanks a lot. That was great. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com, and we will be back next week. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike.